Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, and my outstanding co-host, Eb Wilkinson. And we're coming to you live from the modern KVOI broadcast complex in Tucson, welcoming you to another action-packed show featuring CD2 congressional candidate and retired Navy SEAL Eli Crane, Arizona Attorney General candidate Abe Hamada, and in just a moment, Arizona's U.S. Senate candidate, Blake Masters, he's waiting on the line to chat with us. Bruce and I want to remind you to please support our great sponsors, Jamie and Craig at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail, Joy and Ellie, Corazon Cabinets, and of course, Eric Rudin at Essential Pest Control. Also supporting Inside Track is my co-host and broadcast partner, Eb Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. Joining us live, I think, from his campaign, we're pleased that Blake Masters can join us for the next few minutes. Thanks for joining us today, Blake. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're a very busy fellow these days. What's the number one issue you're hearing from Arizona voters in the closing days of this campaign? And when you become our U.S. Senator, what is your plan to help? You know, it really is two things. It's inflation and it's the wide open southern border. I know you asked for one, but it's okay. those two twin crises the Democrats have caused, everybody's talking about them. Arizonans are just so upset about this inflation and, and our wide open border. So tell us what's going to be different between a Republican uh, Congress and the current Democrat Congress uh, if you and all the other red wave participants are successful. Well, you know, just by winning in November, just by taking back the House, just by taking back the Senate, we can immediately put the brakes on so much of Joe Biden's crazy inflation, right? Because he won't be able to pass in the last two years of his presidency any of these crazy trillion dollar spending bills. And, you know, the Democrats have printed six going on seven trillion dollars in the last 20 months. Normal people, not Ph.D. economists, but normal people understand very well when the government just prints trillions of dollars. It devalues our currency, right? It makes every dollar in your wallet worth less and less. It sends prices everywhere through the roof. So by putting the brakes on Biden's spending, we can start to immediately control inflation and then work over time to bring it down. It's going to be a little bit harder to deliver border security because, you know, Biden's still going to be the president, unfortunately. It's why we need to win the White House back badly in 2024. But my pledge is to just use every bit of leverage I can to get border security. So I'm not going to vote for a single thing that Biden wants, not a single piece of funding, not even a continuing resolution, not a single appointee, unless and until Biden gives us some border security. We need to extract concessions from him. Uh, that means finishing the wall, means actually re-implementing those policies like remain in Mexico that work. And if Biden wants to shut the government down because he's so obsessed with keeping our border open, so be it. Let him explain that to the American people and the Democrats will get crushed in 2024. And your opponent has voted for all of those bad things. Blake, I need to get this in early. I'm supporting you financially. And, of course, uh, you've been a guest with our show several times. We've uh, been very enthusiastic about your campaign. What can our listeners do to support you? We still have lots of questions, but that's a big one. I want to get out of the way right now. Well, thank you so much. First, they can go to BlakeMasters.com. Guys, I know it's tough in the Biden economy, but if you can throw 5 or $10 into my campaign... Uh, that helps us get that, that last-minute messaging out to those late-breaking, undecided voters. 
So that's blakemasters.com. Of course, I'd be honored if everybody listening would go vote. You know, let's vote Republican up and down the ticket this time. And not only that, but let's go find five friends, right? Your friends, your family members, your colleagues. Uh, there are a lot of people who aren't on track to vote in this midterm. And we need to shake them awake, remind them the stake, right? We're 10 days away from possibly losing this country. I'll bet we're 10 days away from winning the country back if we work hard for the next 10 days and go vote, vote, vote. Blake, I will bet you one thing right now. I'll bet you a steak dinner on this. We are not going to have the undercount we had in the last election, uh, Martha McSally versus Mark Kelly. That undervote is not going to be there. That was the difference in the election. Eb, go ahead. You have a couple of questions. Hey, Blake, thanks for joining us again on Inside Track. Water is one of the most important perennial issues for us here in Arizona. And in your televised debate, you referred to Mark Kelly as that third senator from California. Explain what Mark Kelly's done to hurt our state on water supply. He's hurt our state by basically doing nothing. For He's not fighting for Arizonans, for our water allocation, right? We're, we live in the desert. We're in a drought. We're growing. This all amounts to a very uh, scary water future if we don't solve this problem right now. And so Mark Kelly's just been absent, just been completely absent. You know, a couple of weeks ago, the federal government cut our water allocation in Arizona, 592,000 acre feet of water. It's a tremendous amount of water. But California, well, they didn't have to make any cuts at all. And what did Mark Kelly do about it? Absolutely nothing. So I'm tired of him acting like a senator for California or, you know, he's just he's owned by Chuck Schumer. He's representing New York. And we need a fighter in Arizona. You know, the, the late Senator John McCain called for the renegotiation of the 100-year-old Colorado River Compact. That's the, the genesis of all these bad deals where California gets the lion's share of the water from the Colorado River. So I'm going to go to the table, the negotiating table, with sharp elbows and fight for our water. And we also need to innovate our way out of this, right? Let's use desalination put desalination plants in Yuma, in California, in the Sea of Cortez, uh, run clean water into Arizona with pipelines powered by nuclear reactors. Like we can actually innovate. We can do so much here, but only if you get people into the Congress, into the Senate, who actually want to fight for Arizona's water future. I will and, do that. Mark Kelly has proven that he won't. And yet the Dems want to get rid of nuclear reactors. They don't want to vote for any more of them. They want to get rid of coal. They want to go straight to electric energy, which is, of course, powered by coal, but so be it for that. One of the other remarkable moments in the debate was your opponent's insistence that he's on top of the problems we have at the border. And you know, that's laughable. I've been down to the border, and because of his lack of concern for Arizona's uh, security is so low, he voted for another 87,000 new IRS agents, but he's against more Border Patrol agents. He stood by his millions have closed our borders illegally, who've spiked crime in our state. We're seeing that now. Uh, he's allowed potential terrorists to sneak into uh, the country to do God knows what. He's condoned sex slavery, and worst of all, he's given aid to the cartels who've brought millions of tons of dangerous drugs into our state. And he supported these Democrats 100%. He's not stood up to the White House at all this week to those who've ordered Doug Ducey to remove the shipping containers placed here to plug a 10-mile gap in the border fronts. And, and, and since we are actually a border state, what will a GOP Congress do to secure that border? Well, we know what we need to do. We need 
to finish the wall, right? It starts with the wall. Uh, we need to double the size of Border Patrol at least. I'd like to triple it, go from 20,000 agents to 60,000. I'm a tech guy. You know, we need technology at the border. We need drones. We need advanced thermal imaging cameras. We can map where the drug tunnels are and blow them up. You know, and then we also just need the policy. We need the remain in Mexico policy back. We need policy that allows Border Patrol to do their jobs. Right. The way it's supposed to work is when an illegal alien tries to break into our country. Hey, nothing personal. Right. But we catch you. We turn you over to ICE and you're deported back to your home country or back to another country that wants you. Well, Biden and Mark Kelly, they push policies that don't allow us to deport anybody. Mark Kelly has literally voted against deporting even violent felon illegal aliens with very serious criminal history. They don't want to deport anybody. And it's making our streets unsafe. The fentanyl that's coming through parents in Arizona and throughout this country are going to have to check their kids Halloween candy this year because of this rainbow fentanyl. The cartel is dressing this fentanyl up to look like candy. They're preying on our children. This is done intentionally. And Joe Biden and Mark Kelly, apparently they like it this way, guys, because we've got a wide open southern border and they're not doing a single thing to stop it. And why is that? You know, that's an interesting. Some people say, well, they're just so incompetent. They can't they, they don't know what they're doing. And you look at these policies and they seem intentional to me. I know that the Democrats in charge, they're not competent, but what we're seeing is so much worse than mere incompetence. You know, I think they want to import lots of people into this country. I think they, the Democrats in charge, they dream of getting citizenship to the 5 million illegal aliens that they, that they just welcomed. Uh, but they, they just want to surrender our sovereignty. They're putting America last. I think we need to put America and Arizona first. I agree. Your opponent also, uh, Blake, believes in abortion right up to the moment of delivery, but he calls you radical on abortion. An article this week in Vanity Fair tries to make Mark Kelly's case with the left for eugenics, mass sterilization, those are their words, not mine, and abortion. Let me read what the author suggests. There are in America alone millions of individuals markedly unfit to live in society. Many of them can't care for themselves or their children and are a burden to to their families or communities. Because of the possibility that their defects are hereditary and that allowing these people to have children will result in spreading their disabilities more widely through future generations, we must consider the question of eugenical sterilization. How can Mark Kelly represent all Arizonans, Blake, if his position on abortion does not represent the views of the majority of Arizonans, much less do anything at all to protect the unborn? And he calls you the radical. That is the most radical thing I think I've heard from almost any candidate anywhere in this country during this election. I agree with you. And Mark Kelly, he doesn't represent Arizonans, not on this issue, not on any issue. You know, they call, have you noticed that the left, the, the Democrats in charge, they always call us what they actually are, right? It's this classic projection. It's like paging Sigmund Freud. Uh, Mark Kelly says, oh, Blake Masters, Kerry Lake, they're dangerous. They're extreme. No, what's dangerous and what's extreme are what these people in charge are doing to our country, right? Look, I'm pro-life. I'm proud to be pro-life. That means I believe in limits, Right. You could debate what the limits should be exactly, but there's no debate that you need limits. Nobody except the radical Democrats in charge and maybe five or 10 percent of the population believes that it's somehow okay 
to be killing perfectly healthy babies at eight months and 30 days just before hours before they have a chance to take their first breath. Like that is just deeply wrong. And I'm proud to say that. And most people agree with us. We stand for life. We stand for common sense. We stand uh, for, for everything that's good and true. And that quote you read, it sends chills down my spine. We need to fight back against this kind of extremism. And uh, that's why this November election is so important. Yeah. Hey, Mark, uh, I'm Blake. I swear to God. I'm so pissed at Mark. He lies in his TV commercials. I'm moderate. Yeah, like my ass. Uh, one last question. Although technically Kelly says he's from Tucson, Mark Kelly never comes to Tucson to help our southern border at all. The only time he comes down here is to pick up bags of cash for his campaign. So when you're elected to the U.S. Senate, can you assure us that you're going to spend time here and also focus on our southern Arizona issues? Absolutely. You have my promise. And, uh, you know, talk is cheap. You're going to see me down here. I, I'm a southern Arizona kid. I grew up in Tucson. Mark Kelly grew up in New Jersey. You know, he's literally in the New Jersey Hall of Fame, whatever that is. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to lose my southern Arizona roots. And it's partly why the border crisis just boils my blood. Like, this is our community. Mark Kelly doesn't care about it, but I do. And so I'm going to look forward to doing every single thing I can to secure our border and deliver safe streets, not just in southern Arizona, but everywhere throughout our state and everywhere throughout our country. Great. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. Best of luck to you and for uh, all of us here, because we can't take much more of Mark Kelly's bad ideas and lack of empathy for Arizonans. Blake Masters, thank you very much. That's BlakeMasters.com. Give this man your support. We hope to call you Senator-elect when we next talk. Thanks very much for joining us, Blake. Mr. Producer, let's go to our first break. You're listening to Inside Track on KVOI. Trusted local news and talk. We'll hear from CD2 congressional candidate Eli Crane when we return. So don't be a channel flipper. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the, the cities and the counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap, and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? <sighs> no, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably 
and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Before we hear from Eli Crane, please go to Bruce's personal Facebook page to find our Inside Track education endorsements and also our advice on all the propositions. He's updated them today on his Facebook. And without any further ado, let's get right to our next guest today, Eli Crane. Welcome back to Inside Track. Our guest for the next several minutes is former Navy SEAL, successful entrepreneur and GOP candidate in CD2 to retire Sleepy Tom O'Halloran, Eli Crane. Thanks for sharing some time with us today. It's been a busy day for you, hasn't it been? Yep. Thanks a lot, Bruce. We appreciate uh, you taking the time and being flexible with us. Uh, we have had a busy day. Uh, we're on the campaign trail. We'll continue to be on the campaign trail um, until November 8th, and where we look forward to uh, unseating three-term Democrat Tom O'Halloran. You're going to run right through that tape, aren't you, all the way? Absolutely. You know, I mean, we've been campaigning for, I think, the last 16 months at this point. You know, it would be foolish to uh, take our foot off the gas and not leave everything on the field. So we, we absolutely will. Is this sort of like Hell Week was? <laughs> this is nothing like Hell Week, Bruce. Thank God. I've never been through anything. I actually had to do two Hell Weeks, two complete Hell Weeks. And uh, for those of you listeners who don't know that what that is, that's the uh, that's the toughest part of Navy SEAL training. It's five and a half days with virtually no sleep and about three to four hours sleep the entire five and a half days. And you're just getting uh, destroyed by the instructors the entire time. And it's where we find out who has the mental fortitude to... Uh, go on in training and learn how to become a frogman. Well, you, you you won that honor to call yourself a frogman for the rest of your life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And now we're, uh, we're willing to uh, go serve this country again. I don't know about you, Bruce. I don't know about your listeners, but I, I really do believe that the greatest fight for this country right now is taking place right here within. Um, and so that's why I'm willing to go serve again. And um, I'm honored to uh, meet so many great people on the campaign trail who feel the same way about this country. And I think it's amazing that we have so many men and women stepping up all over the country who never wanted to be in politics, but who see the same dangers um, that I do and feel the same way and are stepping up as well. The number one issue for many Arizonans is inflation. My wife just bought a loaf of wheat bread that I like smaller than the one she bought three months ago for $4, now priced at $7. Uh, these aren't exactly Weimar Republic prices yet, but inflation is eating us all up alive, aren't they? Yeah, it sure is, Bruce. And, uh, you know, that the worst part about it is these are self-inflicted wounds. These are because of foolishness, um, you know, by our elected officials um, who think that we just can continue to print trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that we don't have, um, spend it on things that in many cases we don't need. Um, and it, as well as, you know, the war that we've, uh, we've launched on oil and gas, which affects everything from, you know, obviously what, what you're paying at the gas pump to even, um, inflation in the supply chain and, you know, the delivery of goods that you buy every day in that grocery store. And so, um, I, I think it's, you know, one of the biggest, biggest, uh, issues that you know arizonans are talking to me about you know having to choose between gasoline and groceries and uh how how uh, much um 
less their dollar bill goes, you know, these days. And I think that they're looking for Republicans to take back the House and do everything we can to get this uh, economy under control and stop the bleeding. So your kids probably eat a lot of bread, drink a lot of milk, consume, uh, uh, you know, humongous amounts of protein foods. You and your wife know even better than I how out of control inflation is today. It's sort of a choice between eat or heat, isn't it? Uh, So how will Republican control the House and Senate bring Joe Biden and the Democrats to their senses to stop their crazy spending? Because, as you said, that's what has caused this inflation, isn't it? Yeah, well, one key thing that you said there, Bruce, I don't think there's anything that's going to bring these Democrats back to their senses. I I believe that this party has it's so far gone that I think the only way uh, we turn this economy and this country back around is to replace them with people who understand fiscal responsibility, understand that we can't conduct and run our government in a way that Americans can't run their own households in. And I mean, what I mean by that is. You know, you and I can't run our household the way the federal government runs this country. We can't print money that we don't have, spend it on things that we don't need. And that's what this government is doing. That's what my opponent is doing. He he has voted with Nancy Pelosi 100 percent of the time. He voted for that Inflation Reduction Act, which is sad and ironic, Bruce, because, you know, anytime the Democrats name anything, it's going to do a bill name a bill anything you know is going to do the exact opposite what they what they're actually naming it and when he was asked about it and the eighty-seven thousand irs agents that came along with it he said that he supported it and those agents because we needed more revenue streams it just goes to show you that even with 31 trillion dollars in debt there is no you know there's there are no spending limits for a lot of these folks. They really don't care. They don't see they don't see or they don't care the after effects that it has on you, your budget, your 401k um, and, and how far your dollar bill goes. Hmm. So border security continues to be an issue. Many Arizonans are talking about not just illegal entrants apprehended, but the others who got away. And, the, and, and more important, the diversion when agents are taken off their post to chauffeur le- uh, illegals to the airport and to hotels where, where the government is putting them up, which allows the cartels then to ship their poison into our country, over a thousand uh, fentanyl deaths in America every day. You, would you be a yes to vote on substituting 87,000 IRS agents for 87,000 new Border Patrol agents if it came to vote when you're elected to the U.S. Congress? You know, well, on it, on face value, that sounds like a pretty, you know, pretty good substitute there, Bruce. I would like to talk to you about Border Patrol um, and, and the folks there on exactly what they need. But I know exactly what you're saying, sir. I mean, it is ridiculous. We do not need 87,000 more IRS agents, but we absolutely need to secure this border, support our border patrol agents, finish that wall, and actually start taking it seriously. Bruce, I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around the fact that you and I are talking that in 2022, with this country we love, about what's going on at that southern border, everything that streams over that southern border from fentanyl, MS-13 gang members, you know, child sex trafficking, you know, tens and tens and tens of individuals on that terror watch list every right. single year coming through that southern border. And Bruce, that's that's just the ones that we encounter. That doesn't even count the gotaways that we don't know about. And and it's like, and then they come into the country and we're putting these folks up in hotels 
we catch them, we release them, we put them up in hotels, and then we fly them anywhere they want to go. It just doesn't make any sense, Bruce. It doesn't make any sense unless, you know, our, our colleagues on the other side of the aisle are trying to destroy this country. And I know that's harsh language, Bruce. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear it. A lot of people don't want, you know, the divisive rhetoric to continue. But I can't see, I can't square it any other way, Bruce. I just can't. You and I have talked about that before. Um, some people feel that uh, the policies of the Democrats, including your opponent, Tom O'Halloran, uh, were maybe just misguided. I actually think they are malevolent. I think that they have evil intent, and it's designed to incrementally uh, tear down our country. I do too, Bruce, and I never thought I'd really, you know, see see that point in time. I knew, you know, I, I've known... Um, you know, my parents raised me to understand that there is good and evil in this world. I do believe we're seeing a, a hefty dose of it here in this country right now. That's one of the things that has spurred me and so many other Americans who never wanted to be um, in politics or public public servants in this capacity um, step up and be willing to say, hey, I will learn as quickly as I can. I will surround myself with smarter, more talented people than myself. But I have got to try to get into this fight if my kids are going to have a, a chance at, at, at any semblance of the freedom, opportunity, and future that you know you and I had when we were growing up. Um, all services recruiting is way down. What do you think the reasons are behind this? Are, are Americans less patriotic, or are they concerned about the way uh, the Biden administration is handling our national security and, and global defense? You know, I, I think that, you know, our patriotism in this country continues to go down because of the radical ideology that our kids are being taught in school to hate this country, to think that it's inherently and fundamentally racist um, and, you know, um, everything that they're being taught about it. But I also think that there's a lot of veterans like myself that, you know, talk to young young folks that are considering looking at a military career and we're giving we're actually giving them a lot more caution than we would have in the past just because we've seen what this regime is capable of this administration we saw what they did in afghanistan we're very concerned about the leadership you know you've got general milley talking about wanting to understand his white rage and all the critical race theory um, literature that they're putting on their reading list and you know everything that you know everything that's going on in the military it's basically becoming this massive social experiment that's more um, concerned about equity diversity and inclusion as opposed to being the best fighting force in, in, on in the entire world which is what where they're supposed to be focused on and i think a lot of young men and women are, are getting advice from people like me to, you know, be cautious. Um, and, you know, it just breaks my heart, Bruce, because this world isn't getting any less violent. It's not getting any more safe. You're starting to see um, a lot of these individuals and these rulers and dictators um, around the world who have realized how weak and foolish the U.S. has become. And so, so they're now looking at opportunities to move pieces on the chessboard that I don't think are going to be very good, um, you know, for many, many human beings around the planet. Uh, you served in the U.S. Navy, fought for our country. Congress has not passed a regular order budget in years. 
The defense budget grew some under President Trump after fighting with the Democrats, but it's flat today. And with inflation about 9% a year, our resources for defense are actually down by 9%. When you're elected with your experience and the experience of many other uh, Iraq and Afghanistan war fighters who are likely to also win their congressional contest, um, how might that impact on the defense budget and our and and not just the budget, Eli, but but our military preparedness in general. Well, I think uh, that's a good point, Bruce. I think inflation, you know, hits us everywhere from you and I were talking about the groceries we're buying to the gasoline that we're buying. It most certainly affects the purchases that we make for national defense as well. But I do think seeing as many veterans run around the country as I'm seeing it is going to be good in ways for our military because we have a more intimate knowledge of what our military um, actually needs, what's wasteful spending, and what's actually effective. I, I will reiterate, Bruce, and I know I've talked to you about this before, I am an America First candidate. I do want to see us have a strong military. I do believe it's very important and, and very vital to the safety and protection of America our citizens and our interests around the world. But I also want to make sure that we're not, um, you know, continuing to, you know, promote, uh, you know, a lot of useless wars around the world and use our military uh, for things that the, the average American doesn't support. Um, and, and when we have so many issues going on in this country, we don't even have a southern border. We're $31 trillion in debt. We have, you know, 22 veterans killing themselves every day. We have so many problems here, Bruce. You know, I want to make sure that we, you know, even when we're talking about our military, that that budget as well, I want to make sure that we're putting America and Americans first. And, you know, we don't continue to, um, you know, s spend money all over the place and and forgetting the context of the situation and the time that we live in, um, you know, and so I am an America first candidate. I want to make sure that I, I got that out because I think it's so important at this time in history that we have people that are putting this country first. And, and you know, that that goes into national defense as well. Sure. And during the four years of the Trump administration, uh, there were no new wars and no new entanglements that we got ourselves involved in. America first doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we're going to go solve all the world's problems. We're going to keep ourselves, ourselves, our country safe first, correct? No, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, I know even the Republican Party right now is divided on, you know, what what and what involvement, what level of involvement, what uh, investment we should be making in Ukraine. You know, I, for one, I'm one of the folks that believes that we need to be getting our own house in order. We need to be taking care of some of the our own housekeeping before we're sending tens of billions and billions and billions of dollars overseas to a place that most people can't point to on a map um, and escalating, uh, you know, a war that could lead to thermal nuclear war um, and so many other, you know, so many other things. And I know there's a lot of Republicans out there, Bruce, and a lot of independents and Democrats that believe that, you know, well, if we can beat one of our, you know, historical adversaries, the Russians, without spilling a drop of blood, that's a good thing. And I, I can understand what they're saying, but when you look at it in the context of 
everything. When you you pull yourself up to the 30,000 foot view and you remind yourself that we're $31 trillion in debt and we don't even have those tens of billions of dollars that we're sending over there, we're printing money that we don't have, that also increases, you know, the inflationary, um, you know, it does that we're seeing and so i think that you have to you have to look at the entire picture you can't just look at you know one one aspect and i think that's what a lot of folks are doing with with that specific issue hmm. uh i've uh, talked with a lot of war fighters uh for our country and for it and in israel over the years and you know the one common thing uh, with all of those men and women I've met, Eli, and you represent that same class very, very well, is that they never want to see another war. They'll do everything in their in their power to prevent another war. But if push comes to shove, if if our survival is uh, imperiled, uh, that's the only time to go to war, right? One hundred percent, Bruce. One hundred percent. And that's why I did say I believe in a strong military. Bruce, I still have a lot of friends that are in the military. I don't want to see them, you know, not getting the funding, the equipment, the training that they need to, you know, execute the missions that hopefully they never have to go on. But I know better. I know this world is a really messed up place. And um, but to your point, I want to make sure um, that we're very careful. We're very cautious about escalating anything. Um, and we're always putting America and our citizens first. Uh, Eli, time to wrap it up. It's late in the campaign. What can our listeners do to support you? Because as we talked about earlier, we want you to be running through the tape uh, on November 8th uh, to victory. Well, Bruce, I'm going to ask you for something that's not always popular with everybody, but I'm just going to say it because... I do believe it's very important. I, I, I am asking people to pray for us, our campaign, to pray for this country. I know a lot of people, you know, they get upset um, and fed up with people talking about that and saying, I don't need your prayers. I don't want your prayers. I just want I want you to take action. I, I'm not of that belief, Bruce. I do believe that prayer is strong. I believe it's important. I believe it's, you know, you know, I, I, I believe one of the one of the biggest reasons this country you know has the track record that it does and has had the success that it does is because i do believe it was founded by a lot of men and women um that served a higher power and so i am asking for people to pray for this campaign i'm also asking um that you guys help us spread the word Um, my opponent is you know and nancy pelosi we found out just yesterday dropped 1.2 million dollars on this race um, you know, on, on a lot of these really disgusting attack ads where they're trying to compare me to, you know, and link me to white supremacy, Nazism, all sorts of this nonsense, Bruce, because they can't talk about their successes. They can't talk about their agenda. They don't identify with the American people. They can't talk about the border, the economy, etc. And so they resort to these really just disgusting smears. And so, you know, if people out there listening to this show know people, know friends, family members in Congressional District 2, you know, and, and can, you know, help us combat some of these, you know, lies and misrepresentations about my character, we really appreciate that as well. Well, Eli, God bless you. And, and we'll, we will be praying for you. And uh, you, it's, it's praying for America when we do that. 
Eli Crane, he's running for Congress in CD2. Uh, we have lots of listeners in CD2. Uh, do vote for this man. If you uh, have a chance to go to his website or, or any of the other places you can support him, please do so. Uh, we will talk with you as you are hopefully going to be Congressman-elect Eli Crane in just a couple of weeks. Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate your time, brother. You be safe. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to tucsonironretail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. That was a great conversation we had with Eli Crane. Let's get to our next guest, the Republican nominee for Arizona Attorney General, Abe Hamada. Welcome back to Inside Track. Abe Hamada is the GOP nominee for Arizona Attorney General. He won the election in a crowded primary and is running against a former Corporation Commission member at this time for Attorney General. Abe, as many of you know, uh, served our country in the Middle East as a Army uh, Reserve officer in the intelligence field. Abe, did you attend ASU before uh, uh, before going abroad? Yeah, I was at ASU for undergrad, Bruce, and then I went down. I actually got my law degree at the University of Arizona. Okay, well, I was going to give you a, a little bit of ribbing about uh, going to Tempe Normal, but I- as long as you saw the uh, the value of a good uh, education at the University of Arizona Law School. I, I guess I guess you're you're okay in our in our book. Okay, enough with the kibitzing, Abe. Uh, for a lot of us who live in Southern Arizona, who rarely have seen or heard from our current Republican Attorney General, can you promise that you will be more visible here, devote proper time, and represent all Amer- all of Arizona and not just Maricopa County? Yeah, absolutely, Bruce. So, you know, this is one of the things I ran on in my campaign. You know, in the general election now, I actually have a Southern Arizona advisory team as well because 
I don't know if you saw in the primary, I actually won uh, Pima County by nearly 40%. I mean, we absolutely dominated Pima County particularly. It's because I have made that commitment. I'm going to expand the Attorney General's Southern Arizona office. Yeah, I think that's just so unfortunate. Too often when statewide elected officials get elected, they, they just hunker down in Maricopa County. They forget that there's, you know, you represent all of Arizona. And I've been blessed on this campaign trail to put 27,000 miles in my vehicle in about four months. And we went from every single part of the state, Colorado City, up north, down to Yuma, down to Nogales. So we've been all over. And, uh, you know, I think right now Pima County needs help. I think there's a really bad government going on down there where they openly defy the laws. Um, you know, the Board of Supervisors has gone rogue. Uh, we have one good fighter there with Steve Christie, um, who's endorsed my campaign. But, you know, I, I think right now, Pima County, Southern Arizona needs help. And the Attorney General's office has an important role to play whenever, whenever Southern Arizona openly defies the law. So we have a Democrat Soros-funded county attorney here in Pima. We just learned that the man who has been charged with the murder of a U of A professor a couple of weeks back um, had been harassing uh, him and, and members of that college, and the case wasn't uh, properly handled by the county attorney's office. Uh, this, um, this failure to act on the county attorney's part, uh, she's blaming the U of A police, might have led to Professor Mixner's death. How do you intend on dealing with with leftist county attorneys who fail to do their jobs, uh, they they don't believe in cash uh, in cash bail, and are, as you put it, and I agree with you, going rogue. Right. I mean, that's what's so disappointing, Bruce, is how quickly you know the the, the law has changed. How how fast crime has risen, particularly in Tucson and in Phoenix. We have a thousand police officer shortage in Phoenix, Arizona. But with respect to the attorney general. I've been calling for to expand AG criminal unit for me to be able to take over felony cases that the county attorneys refuse to prosecute. And this has actually been happening slowly, but I want to expedite it. Just last year, the state legislature, the new organized retail theft unit within the attorney general's office. And, you know, those for your listeners, those are what's going on with the smash and grabs, right? Where they smash right. into a gas station or whatever, rush in and rush out. So, because too often county attorneys, either they lack the resources or the police are understaffed or that they just refuse to these crimes. But, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's, there's no cash bail, which my Democratic opponent supports. She, she wants to end cash bail. She wants to put a pause on the death penalty, which, by the way, we've had a pause on executions for about seven and a half years. We just restarted it in June. And to be quite honest, you know, for these people to be finally getting justice after 30 years, you know, it, it's, it's necessary, but it's, too, it's taking too long. And, you know, this is where we have to get back to the basics of common sense, you know, just law and order. I mean, the fact that after 9-11, we used to you know, have respect for our law enforcement officers. And now, you know, what's worse, when the Democrats, when they legitimately call to defund the police, Bruce, what's worse than just defunding the police is they've demoralized them. And, you know, I, I'm blessed to have the endorsement of every single law enforcement organization in Arizona because they recognize that Democratic policies have failed us. Everywhere they've been implemented, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, or right here in Tucson, it's been it's been a complete and utter failure. It's led to misery and chaos. So now the AG's office needs to have more of a role in going into some of these rogue counties. Um, we're just 
just operating in defiance of the law. Well, you're correct about the Pima County Board of Supervisors, the Tucson City Council. Um, the City Council here in Tucson, Arizona, hides behind the city charter. Uh, who, uh, you know, they, they talk about Jim Crow uh, in, in terms of attacking Republicans, but it is actually Jim Crow law here in Tucson with respect to uh, citywide elections for uh, council candidates and uh, uh, just a, a whole mess. So I, I want to I address something, and, you know, this isn't going to be just a powder puff uh, interview with you. Some people have questioned your your lack of you know long term experience as a as a lawyer and as a prosecutor, talk about that and talk about what you do bring to the job, please. Absolutely. Well, my, well, let me talk about my opponent real quick because she has never practiced law, and the media never wants to bring that up. She's a professor of ASU for environmentalism and a former journalist, and then yes, yeah, she was on the corporation commission for about seven years. But with me, I'm a former prosecutor at the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. Over there, I prosecuted crimes. My jurisdiction was downtown Phoenix. So I got to see a lot of the homeless issue, a lot of the mentally ill. Um, and so, you know, as a prosecutor, what's the greatest thing about being a prosecutor is you're in the courtroom. You know, you're advocating, you're fighting for victims, and you're putting criminals behind bars. But job, and you have to go in front of a jury or in front of a judge often. And that's what I've done. And you know, when I was down at the University of Arizona, I worked out of the Tucson uh, City Attorney's Office. I worked out of Pima County Attorney's Office and, and the, um, the, the, the federal um, U.S. Attorney's Office down there as well in law school. So I bring to the table my knowledge and experience with the law, which is much more than my opponent, shockingly. But besides that, I'm also an intelligence officer who served overseas for 14 months. You know, and if anybody knows, when you're serving overseas, and in my role particularly, I mean, I don't know if you know much about the military, but I was a lieutenant back then, and I replaced a lieutenant colonel and a major. And I had an immense amount of responsibility working with a complex country like Saudi Arabia, which is the number one purchaser of all military training and equipment in the world. It's about a $130 million contract. And over there, I was negotiating with generals, colonels, and heads of ministries. And, you know, negotiating with the Saudis are, is tough. I mean, we're witnessing that with Joe Biden. He can't get his way with the Saudis. So that, that's where I tell folks, I mean, this is a leadership position, and I want to bring my military-style leadership into the Attorney General's office. And you know, as anybody in the military recognizes, as an officer, you often go in there you know, as the youngest person. And that's how I was on my mission overseas. But you have to rely on your subject matter experts. The, you know, in the military, it's the enlisted who ultimately you, know, you give orders to, but you're supposed to listen to them as well. So that's how I envision leading the office, and I'm, I'm looking forward to you know, bringing that military-style leadership into the Attorney General's office. But... You know, again, my, my opponent, nobody in the media wants to talk about it. She has never practiced law, and that's why she's so confused on the actual role of attorney general, where she keeps saying that she, on day one, she wants to appoint a climate change czar. She wants to fight the weather, Bruce. I will fight the criminals, and I will fight the cartels. That's the clearest contrast between us. Yeah, that is, that's a huge contrast. And, and let me also just say that, because uh, you had you referred to this earlier, uh, there's been way too much uh, emphasis on criminal criminals' rights and not as much emphasis on victims' rights. Wouldn't you agree with that? And, and how might that change if you're elected? Absolutely. Well, the Attorney General's office is tasked to enforce victims' rights, especially if there's any violation of victims' rights. So I intend to continue that, the, the relationship of Brnovich has done, and Brnovich has done a pretty good job in that regard. 
but you're right now it seems like we're coddling criminals and it happened seemingly overnight Bruce I mean I was here in Arizona at Scottsdale Fashion Square back in June of 2020 during the BLM riots. You know, I was outside. I witnessed firsthand, you know, the, the response and how, you know, those were running free and there's police helicopters overhead. And to, what happened at the time was our our politicians, all they did was change their profile photo on Facebook to a black square and stand in solidarity or whatever that meant. And, you know, this is where I've been endorsed by the law enforcement organizations, every single one of them, because they know I speak my mind, I've got a backbone, and I, and I stand for common sense. You know, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy to say that criminals belong in jail, not on our streets, and especially Tucson. I mean, if you saw what happened just last year, Conover, the county attorney down there, she literally, to release inmates back onto the streets because corrections officers are refusing to get the vaccines. I mean, I, I've been in Tucson, I lived in Tucson, believe Tucson does not need any more criminals on the streets than they already have. And, uh, and this is the big difference between my opponent and myself. And, you know, I talk about the Democrats. Every single city that Democratic policies have been implemented have, t- have turned into Gotham and total misery and chaos overnight and it happened so quickly recently. you know this is where i'm, I'm confident though when i talked to uh you know, endorsement bernie carrick and he's a former nypd police commissioner who was there on 9-11 he says that him and giuliani they cleaned up new york city really quickly in the 90s when the crime epidemic was going on he says you know the criminals they understand once you start actually enforcing the law they, they actually have to actually respond to that so that's what I intend to do, and hopefully, you know, we, we have some good partners in the county attorney's office in Maricopa County in particular. But, you know, I think at this point, crime, I can't believe we're talking about crime this much, Bruce. Yeah. I mean, we, it was relatively under control, the lowest it's been ever in history, and now it's risen back to pre-1990 levels. So this is where we have to get back to the basics. So let's talk briefly about your endorsements. Uh, uh, Phoenix Police Sergeants and Lieutenants Association, AZ Cops, Phoenix Law Enforcement Association, Phoenix Officer, uh, excuse me, Maricopa County Community College Police Officers Association, Arizona Police Association, uh, and let's look at the individuals, and I'm going to save the best one for last, uh, but Rand Paul, former National Security Advisor, Rob O'Brien, Cash Patel, Rick Grinnell, who I know, uh, from my RNC days, and he is a great patriot. Uh, Wendy Rogers, uh, Allie Miller, who we love down here in Tucson, Steve Christie, who you mentioned, Kim Owens, who's a friend, Sal DiCiccio. You guys in, in, in Southern Arizona don't know much about Sal, but that guy's a butt kicker. Um, Dr. Mike Ward, Seth Liebson, who is a great intellect, Bernie Carrick, who you mentioned, Andy Tobin, and Patrick Morrissey, who I also knew from, from my RNC days. But probably the biggest endorsement that uh, Abe has, and for for three of you maybe in the listening audience who haven't heard about this, uh, former President Donald J. Trump endorses Abe Hamaday. What what impact, not just on your campaign, Abe, but what impact on you personally do you think that means to you, having the president's endorsement? It's an honor of a lifetime, Bruce, and I say that because, you know, when I first announced this race, I was the last candidate to announce. I mean, this time last year, I had not even announced my campaign for attorney general. This time last year, I have just returned from my army deployment overseas, and I wasn't satisfied 
with the way the direction of our country was going. And to see our campaign take off seemingly like a rocket ship has been, you know, really beautiful. And, you know, having Senator Rand Paul's endorsement, you know, it was great. And then President Trump, I was just with him at the, the rally last week. And, you know, for me especially, the, why the media and the Democrats are so scared of me, Bruce, and, you know, we're actually leading in the polls by the largest margin than any other statewide candidate right now. And it's because I am a first-generation American, right? My parents immigrated from this country, from Syria, 30-some-odd years ago. You know, I was born here, but I'm a first-generation American. I'm a veteran. I'm a prosecutor, and I'm articulate, and I know how to communicate. And they're scared of that because it defeats the left's narrative right now. So that's why we're doing very well. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed and honored to have the endorsement of every single one of those people that you mentioned Allie Miller and Steve Christie, they're, they're big fighters down in southern Arizona, believe me. I've lived in Tucson. I lived in the foothills. I, I, I am not going to forget about southern Arizona when I'm attorney general. We're actually going to fight for southern Arizona because what happens is they go rogue. I mean, look, they want to take away guns until we have to stop them down. And, you know, this is they just openly defy the law consistently, and they need to be put back in their place. And, you know, through the 1487 request, you know, I think we have the ability to withhold some funds if there's any constitutional violations. That's why I intend to get a lot more aggressive with the city of Tucson and Pima County. But I mean, you're absolutely right, Bruce. Ha- having all of those endorsements, and all, many of them have become close friends, like Cash Patel and Rick Grinnell. I mean, you know, they, they are invested in base, and they're invested in saving our country. So that's why I'm so excited to November to 8th. Your opponent has said she will not recognize Supreme Court rulings on Dobbs and Roe and on Gruen. I don't recall anybody who uh, wants to be the chief law enforcement officer in the state, any state, who has so blatantly said they will not follow the law. How, how, how is that? I mean, how, that's just incredible. And if you saw my debate, and if you witnessed my debate, it actually turned out to be a three-on-one match. And I think I defeated all of them, my opponent and her two media buddies. But, I mean, that's what I try, I kept trying to hone in on, is that she does not want to follow the law. She wants to bring her personal beliefs into the office, Bruce. And just think about that for a moment. You know, as Attorney General, I, I'm not the dictator, but that's what she intends to be. She wants to be a super legislator. She wants to defy the law. She has said repeatedly that she would not enforce the abortion restriction whether it's 15 weeks or whether it's the uh, 1901 and 1977 laws and she even said if the arizona supreme court affirmed the 15-week restriction she would not enforce that either and just think about that for a moment she is saying that she will not uphold her oath and it's so offensive because you know, my opponent, she, her top three issues she focuses on is climate change, abortion, and so-called saving democracy. And she says, I'm the biggest threat to democracy, right? And here I am, I've upheld the law as a prosecutor, and I swore to defend the Constitution as an army officer who served overseas. And she has openly said she will not uphold the Constitution. Now, that disqualifies her for attorney general. And that's what it goes back to. She has no legal experience Bruce clearly and that's why she doesn't understand the law and I think that's why exactly why we're winning so big in the polls right now but we got to make sure we finish this thing off on November 8th we could talk for a long time uh, uh, a but we're not going to be able to get to everything but I do want to make sure that you have an opportunity briefly to tell us the advocacy uh, through the attorney generals that you would like to do for GIs that are serving uh, their country 
Absolutely. And so that's why I also created a you know, military advisory team as well. But you know, the AG's office, and I think Arizona's been doing a pretty good job in terms of veterans courts, which I think has been really effective. But in terms of the AG's office, there's actually a lot of uh, a lot of legal assistance that the that the AG can provide some of our retired and reserve and uh, active duty personnel as well that some JAG officers won't be able to cover. And Arizona is a really military friendly state. We got 10 percent of veterans like myself. So that's what I intend to do is create this new office of military legal assistance that, you know, Adam Laxalt in the uh, in Nevada, who's a former attorney general in Nevada. Um, and he's, he's running for Senate, and he's going to do a great job there. But he actually created this in Nevada, so I'm going to model that, that, that program off him right here in Arizona. Abe Hamaday, Republican nominee for Attorney General. Abe for AG.com. Thanks for being on the show today. Best of luck. And promise me this, when you are elected, and you will be elected, Abe, because Arizonans know what you're talking about, uh, promise you'll be here in, in southern Arizona and even give us a little bit of sugar every so often. Come on the show and talk with us. Absolutely, Bruce. It's a great honor. Thank you so much. All right. Be well.